With your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan holes. Can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ah yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women, defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know who is the consultant? Who could he be? <laughs> no! I have no <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes should we like go crazy how does my stupid voice sound you sound beautiful like 10 times sexier good job no one gets us because we don't explain it hey guys welcome back to another talk filled cry havoc tastic episode of fan holes podcast Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, but I am not alone. Joining me, being banished off here on Rua Penthe, are two, count them, two of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everyone know who is here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and Derek, doing a podcast with yourself must have been your lifelong ambition, huh? <laughs> <laughs> This is Justin, and I'm as constant as the Northern Star. You know, Connell was like, of course, I'm quoting Captain Kirk, not Peter Pan. So, yeah, that's how that goes. So, yeah, we're, we're here tonight. We're here tonight for another Star Trek anniversary. This time it's going to be Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country, which was released in 1991. It was directed by Nicholas Meyer, and this is uh, widely known as, widely touted as, the final appearance of the original crew. You know, uh, not you know, not counting all these kind of cameos and and special appearances in other movies from singular cast members, but this this is the the swan song for the original series cast in film form. Nicholas Meyer was returning from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which is one of the widely heralded Star Trek films. So I think everybody was looking forward to him coming back and taking the reins on things. I remember, of course, seeing this in the theaters. You know what's funny? You know you know what I rewatched? I, I, I guess I should ask you guys about this, but... I so I, I bought that you know ten disc Blu-ray set or whatever you know rather recently. So, so a lot of these that we've been watching lately, you know like Star Trek Four, I watched on that Blu-ray, and so I pulled out the Blu-ray for Star Trek Six, and I kind of realized th- this is the theatrical version on the Blu-ray, right? So it's the original theatrical version. I don't. I, I think technically, I don't think I've seen that since I've seen. You know, since I saw it in the theater, because it's, you know, I, I, I but I guess that's why I'm asking, because I was curious, like, because th- 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 did what you guys watch have like the 
you know, the quote unquote deleted scenes from the quote unquote director's cut? Or did you did you watch the theatrical version or do you even know? I ended up watching the theatrical version, too, because like there's no, you know, Colonel West scene and there's no mm-hmm. like Colonel West is revealed as the fake. Right, Klingon. right, right. So when I got to that part, I was like, hey, wait a minute. Like, where's, you know, where's Odo? Like he was, you know, uh, you know, this is not Klingon blood. Like there was no that saying I was. Yeah, there was, there was there was none of there's none of that in the theatrical cut. There's no Scotty going that Klingon bitch. She didn't even shed a tear. You know, there's there's so, so there's some there's some uh, there's some scenes that are missing. There's some sequences that are slightly tweaked, like they use different takes or sometimes there were more close ups rather than wide shots or, you know, like sometimes like Scotty, I think in like the. The theatrical version, he's like pulling at his collar first and then they cut to the desk. Whereas, you know, before he finds the suits. But then I think in the the director's cut, it's like he's looking at the schematic. Then he pulls and tugs at his shirt and then he finds the fucking the suits and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, I I, I, kind of always feel like there's no reason to go into any, you know, big synopsis. I, I don't know. Some stuff I guess you have to say to make it obvious, maybe for people who don't know about it but i mean this was definitely an allegory to i guess the the end of the cold war you know the the you know there's there was supposed to be that parallel between you know united states and the soviet union and the federation and the klingon empire which is kicked off by that moon praxis exploding of course you don't have sulu joining the rest of the cast which you know i guess he viewed as a big victory but i i kind of get i kind of get shatner's point of view where it's like you just wrote yourself out of the movie dumbass dumbass but you know i don't you know i don't know i guess sometimes people are like they 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 have their uh their agenda their goal like what they wanted to do and and i guess he he succeeded in that so i guess his thank you was to uh to uh, appear on star trek voyager years later that was the thank you for that so but um I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you? I mean, what? what when did you guys first see this movie? Because, like, you know what? You know what? Like, the 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 trailer was one of those things. Like, because I I remember like this was. I I don't want to say it was in the heyday of over analyzing the trailer, but it 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 definitely was in that era for me. Like, I feel like I feel like the Batman eighty nine movie started this trend with me like where uh, and I don't do this anymore like I barely like watching trailers I kind of I'm not I'm not like I used to have this buddy that um, I went to college with we were both theater guys or whatever and and he was really mental about it like he would like he would come in get his popcorn get his soda do, do the whole nine yards sit down plug all that stuff into the chair whatever the, the the lights would go down, the trailers would start, he would leave and plug his ears and run outside, and then when he knew the trailers were all done, he would come back inside, sit down, and then watch the rest of the movie, because that's how much he hated trailers, like, spoiling the movie, which, you know, to some degree, I kind of understand, especially the way the marketing moved in that direction. But this is this is kind of on the cusp of things where it's like you had a teaser trailer and you had the theatrical trailer, which, you know, they do now. But I mean, the teaser trailer for this was like really a teaser trailer. I mean, it was literally a shot of the Enterprise. They panned around it and then they did all this kind of cool mosaic projection of scenes from 
the the six films and the original series and you had this like really beautiful narration from Christopher Plummer being like you know you have joined this crew on their journeys you know and you're just kind of like oh this is so cool and they got like the fucking horner music and all that kind of stuff and it's like it didn't ruin anything it didn't even really tell you what the fuck it was about they just kind of told you the fucking title you know and then when they had the trailer trailer which is why we all knew that there were deleted fucking scenes like the 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 official full trailer had the romulan dipshit going there will never be a better time and the reason why that sticks out so much is because at that point me and my buddies were all insane like we must have watched the trailer for star trek 6 like a billion times and kept quoting it and getting all into it and everything so there there probably was a high level of expectations that were hopelessly unachievable to meet for us i think i for me right like that 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 we hyped this movie up so much and i I think that's probably why i tend to not do that as an adult you know what i mean like like try, try not to hype something up so much so that the only possible outcome is that you'll be disappointed you know but that that's basically how I remember coming to it, where I was like really, really hyped up about it. I have mixed feelings about the film. I think there's some really good parts to it. I guess I, I'd be willing to say I think the first act is pretty good. The the middle act kind of flounders a bit and, and I enjoy most of the final act. Um but there's some some things I'd probably want to bitch and moan and vetch about and, you know, not, you know, I guess maybe it's nerd shit. I don't know. I, I, I tend to think it's just plot shit that kind of drives me nuts. But what, what about you guys? Like, how did you how did you come to this film? How did you first see it? I remember reading about the trailer before I saw it because I don't know if it was in Starlog or what, but I remember reading about, you know, there's a scene in the trailer where you see Kirk being vaporized and all they did was they just kind of you know they zoomed in and cropped out the other kirk so they made you think like holy shit like kirk dies i just remember reading that in some magazine and i was like what like they that's gonna be a trick or something right like they're not gonna they're not gonna show you like captain kirk getting killed like really for reals in the movie and i remember it seemed like they talked about you know like the Star Trek three trailer showed the Enterprise being destroyed and people were freaked out about that. And they were, you know, trying to equate it. And they're like, you know, that wasn't a fake out. So maybe this isn't either. So I was kind of worried. I first saw this on VHS. I saw it about a year later. It was around Christmas time and it was, I don't know. I don't want to get into it, but it was not exactly a uh, a happy time. Like I, the the movie was rented for me to kind of take my mind off some stuff that was going around uh or going on like uh in the family wise but i just remember trying to you know like my birthday is on christmas eve so i was trying to like focus on that and then you know someone came home with this they had rented this movie so i was you know trying to trying to focus on the movie so anytime i watch this movie that's that's a little in the back of my mind like not as much as it used to be but still a little bit of that because i can remember watching it and i've always liked this film and it's one that I come back to, and it's one of those films, the older you get, the more you can appreciate it, because I don't think it was spelled out to me at the time about all the, you know, the, the then modern day allegory and stuff, oh, you know, okay. like, okay. like, you know, Gorkon, Gorkon is, you know, 
the name comes from Gorbachev and Lincoln, you know, Gore Khan. Mm. So I remember reading a little bit about this, like several years after the movie, and I was like, okay, okay. And I remember watching it, you know, as a teenager, and then in my twenties. And uh, it, it seems like every time I watch it, I like pick up something I didn't notice before, or I just didn't connect the dots before. I think it's a good send off for the crew, even if you know. Even if some of them did come back in the next film for a few scenes, like it's that's fine. You know, it's like Sulu came back for Voyager and revisited this yeah. very film, which, you know, if you want to get into nerd shit like that creates uh, a little, you know, a little boo boo. Because in this movie, you've got um, the science officer on the, the Excelsior, you know, the guy who's like, you know, practice, sir, it's a Klingon moon like that guy in the Voyager episode dies. But at the end of this movie, when there's a shot of the Excelsior Bridge, like he's there, like alive and well. And I remember, like, I was like, like nerd and mad about that when that episode came out. Like, I like I I really liked that episode. But I was like, wait, he's still like he's not dead. Like he's alive at the end of the movie. Like that's like that. What? <laughs> I was just it's like, it's all it's all Christian Slater's fault, man. Yeah, he, he, he should have been in that group shot, but. He was too damn busy to be in the group shot. He could only do the cameo to wake Sulu's ass up, and his casting director mom didn't give a shit. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, but I th- this this was that era where like Christian Slater was hot shit, and like I was totally into it. I was like, yay, it's Christian Slater. I was like, it's not quite like Baby Slater from like you know Tales from the Dark Side, but this is like this is like Slater Prime. Like he's in his prime, and he's in Young Guns too, and doing all that shit. So. I was I was happy to see him, but I I did have that thought where I was like, oh, you know, if you just if you replace that guy with Christian Slater in that group shot at the end when they're all saying goodbye, like then that would like make more sense. But that that was just I, I just remember being like irritated by that, and I was explaining it to my other friends, like no one else had caught it. But I was I I felt like the angry video game nerd where I was just like you know like what were they thinking? Like did no one check this? I mean it's it's a minor thing, right? Like it's just. You know, it's just a minor goof. Like no one, you know, no one cared or paid attention. It's, it, it's a minor thing, but I just remember like that. That really, like really irritated me at the time. But um, but yeah, I mean, this is a movie. You know, it's it's one of the sacred even movies, so it's got to be good, right? Yeah. But I yeah. mean, I I like it. Um, In, insert quote from uh, Siskel and Ebert where they're talking about how the even movies are the good ones and the odd ones are pieces of crap or whatever. How do you feel about the score to this movie, Derek? Because I, I like the score. Yeah. It it suits the movie. It's very dark and moody. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, it, here's here's this. Like, listen to this. If you listen to the score by itself, picture Batman. Like, it's more suited for a Batman movie. Like, I swear. Like, if you if you mm. took some like Tim Burton footage from either of those two movies, or even Batman Forever. And put it with like some some of this music, like it would fit like a glove, man. Like I swear, like I I don't know how I made that connection, or if I was just like listening to it and looked over and saw a Batman comic, but I was like, that's what this is. Like, I mean, it works with what you're seeing on screen. I think it's fine, but it, but I feel like it's more suited for like Batman or something. Like like there's a track called Spock's Wisdom, I think, and. 
it's it's the uh, the scene in the movie where you know Spock and Valeris are talking, and you know Spock's like, "I want you to replace me," and she's like, "You know, I could only succeed you." Like, I swear, like that music could easily be a scene where like Alfred is trying to give you know Bruce some some wisdom or, or mm. you know trying to mm. tell him something. But like, I don't know, like. Rob, Robin like Robin can swear on the Bible to that music and, <laughs> yeah. and, and swear to fight criminals and stuff. Uh, Cliff Eidelman is yep. the guy who did the the score for this. Well, one I think one thing it's got against it, which which is kind of like the the damning thing of probably like Star Trek Four as well, is like there's no like Star Trek theme in it. You know, like mm-hmm. there's no like you know the James Horner Star Trek theme or whatever. There's no there's no next generation slash motion picture theme. Like there's no real Star Trek theme. It's all, like you said, this kind of moody atmospheric, you know, I mean, essentially like a good portion of this movie, which I'll get into later is the, the murder mystery aspect, which is most of the second act, which I've kind of said, I don't care for that much. So the score is probably appropriate for, for that. What is, what is it with you and not liking murder mysteries? <laughs> They have to fucking make sense, bro. <laughs> like they have to make fucking sense. Is is this um, like Star Trek: The Long Halloween for you? Y- y- very much, like very much <laughs> okay. so. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't like the murder mystery in this. It hurts my fucking head. Like and it maybe was it's working ner- Sam no all along, bro. It, 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 maybe maybe it's nerd shit, but that I've always I always like I saw this movie and I try I tried man I tried to hold their hands I tried to go along for the ride I tried to have Cato make me my little crappuccino with the little fucking flower in it and it didn't fucking work man it didn't work and I tried I tried you know I love Star Trek I tried I couldn't do it Cliff Eidelman yeah, just just to to back up your your assessment or at least your reservations. Cliff Eidelman was not the first choice for the score. Right. He was not the second choice for the score. He was the third choice for the score. <laughs> Meyer asked James Horner to come back, and Horner was he like, was "I'm, cool I'm yeah, I'm, I'm too cool for this shit. I don't want to do it." He he asked uh, Jerry Goldsmith to come back, and he said, "Ah, the last one I did stunk. I don't feel like doing another one." And then he had to come to Cliff Eidelman, so he was like choice three. That's got to tell you something in the grand scheme of things like that. He was third choice for the score. Right. So it didn't there's just something to that. Right. Like that. He was not the first pick. He he wasn't even the second pick. He was the third pick. It seemed like there was a lot like as much as like Siskel and Ebert would have you believe like everybody got along and they they all were happy to see each other and do these films and stuff. There was lots of fucking drama and bullshit that went on behind the scenes there was people trying to sue each other over screenwriting credits and get different uh what's the right word like have arbitrations over you know how things would get credited and exactly phrase all that kind of stuff there 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 was internal struggles like this is my this is my thing about how they they would never forget about you know Batman fighting the scarecrow and jumping through the window because Hollywood never forgets and they keep trying to recycle those old ideas because they think they're so brilliant that their ideas are great so they keep coming back to those this this was the first after Star Trek V did not perform well that was the Starfleet Academy thing which in my mind eventually realized with the J.J. J. Abrams films. 
that that's that's how I view it. Like that sequence where Kirk does the pew pew with the fucking apple. Like that's that's Harv Bennett's original idea, finally realized by Hollywood. Like way 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 the fuck down the line. Sorry, did you ever hear those rumors back in the day? Because yeah. I remember reading about that, and I was like, this sounds awful. I hope they don't do this. They, they, I, I remember you, – you, you know what I remember? Like, they always used to use um, – you, you know the, the screen grab from Where No Man Has Gone Before, where Kirk's in the turtleneck and, and Spock's in the turtleneck outfit? Playing chess. Playing the three-dimensional chess. Yeah. It would always use that as the – I don't know, the, the promo image or the, you know, basically because they had nothing, right? It was all like, you know, like you'd go to comic scene or star log and they'd say in development, like Starfleet Academy. And, you know, you'd read these different articles and they would always have like a, a, a black and white still of, of them just sitting there as uh, basically this is the youngest Star Trek photo we can get of Shatner and, and Nimoy and, and kind of point to that as like, we're going to tell the story about when these guys were kids and. They went to the academy and Bootsby Bigsby was fucking, you know, <laughs> cutting the plants or what, you know, whatever, like that, that whole kind of thing. And and that was something that was in the air, right? Like they, they, there was a push to do that. And then there, then, you know, I think the, the big wig president at the time was like, no, 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 we're going to do this with the original cast. Like, don't do the other thing. And so Harv Bennett kind of left. And then, you know, and then you had. Nimoy coming back and that that's part of where the the scripting problems it was like Nimoy had an idea but then these other two guys claimed they had an idea and then by the end of it they all got story by credit and then I think Nicholas Meyer and one of his guys like hashed out the 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 actual screenplay and and then they got screenplay credit and everything and most times it's like all that weird shit like where like like something like you know the first X-Men movie, I think like David Hayter has screenplay credit, but like 50 billion other people actually wrote the screenplay. Like, I think Hayter was just like on the set, like writing all the dialogue they eventually used down in a notebook or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, it's, it's all very strange to me, you know, like where it's like, you know, people who get credit for things, but it's not usually completely, uh, spelled out right it's it's all very legalese and and i think that was the case in this film and i and i kind of wonder if that i don't know like like part of me wonders if that impacted things but i guess it was leonard nimoy's idea to to have that you know the cold war allegory to to kind of bring the the crew together for this final romp and and to make the allegories between the klingon empire and the soviet union and all that kind of stuff so but I, I, I'm before we get too deep into to all those things. I just, I, I kind of want to ask Mike too, like how, like, is this one of those things where you're finally watching this the whole way through for the first time, or had had you seen this before? Like, what, what's your deal with with the undiscovered country? Yes, uh, much like uh, Star Trek Four, I, I think I've only ever seen this movie in parts, like on TV when it like happened to be on. Then I tune in and say, oh, yeah, yeah, Star Trek. And like, I never like this is probably when I didn't even know which one was which. So I was like, OK, this is I, like I, I, I'd always tune in. Like, I don't think I've ever seen the first like 30 minutes of this movie. Like, I never saw like the inciting incident or whatever, because okay. 
I'd always like tune in when like Kirk and McCoy were on the like, you know, the prison planet or whatever. And like, that's the part I'd always like come in on. And then I'd, you know, I, I had seen until the end of the movie then. So I'd always miss like, okay, who's this Gorkon guy who died? Like, I guess he died like, you know, before I, 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 I like changed the channel or whatever. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, this is the first time, like I, I rented it off Amazon prime, like video, like this week. And I, I watched it the full way through, like, and, uh, yeah, this is the first time I've seen it, like, the full way through. And, uh, you know, I liked it. Yeah, like, I, I think out of the, if you know, I, I know, like, you know, Siskel and Ebert have their, you know, even movies are the good ones, like, rule or whatever. But, and out of the even ones, I think, you know, this one I probably enjoyed the least. But it's still, I think it's still a pretty solid movie, like, for the most part. And, like, I, I mean, you guys know more about the, you know, comings and goings of it. But, like, I... I, I tended to uh, like, I think even though it's like 30 years, like too late, like all the feels and stuff like worked on me or whatever. Like I really liked, you know, you know, I really liked the, the last scene, like the sign offs and like, you know, I, I did get the sense that this was like, you know, the end of an era sort of movie and like, uh, you know, I, I do enjoy it and I, I'm, I'm sure we'll get in a little more into it, but yeah, that's basically my, my origin story with this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's why the, the president of Paramount at the time balked at the idea of just jumping into a Starfleet Academy thing and letting Star Trek V be the final film with the original cast. Like, like I, th I think, I think, and then and there were other people that obviously shared that sentiment as well. Like, like we can't, we can't end it on that. Like, we got to like you said, give, give these guys a proper send off. And I, I mean, to, to some degree, I think, I think this, you know, with that as the intent, I, I think to, to a lot of people that was fully realized. I mean, I, like I said, I, I have certain problems with this film, but I, I don't think that's one of them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think everybody's in the film. I think they, they, they tried to do something that was, that was epic, that was meaningful, that, that also in in some sense considered the larger tapestry of the star trek universe and franchise they were building you know like including you know michael dorn as one of Worf's ancestors you know it kind of addressing like look it's like these are the seeds of Worf. you know what i mean like 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 when 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 i first watched the next generation pilot and went what the fuck is a klingon doing on the bridge like to me at the very least, like one of the good things I can say about this film is this, this film is 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 the beginnings of the answer to what the fuck is Worf doing on the bridge of the like what the fuck is a Klingon doing on the bridge of the Enterprise, right? And 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 that you know I think is you know something that you know obviously puts it in one of the higher echelons of of Star Trek films. I think all the performances are really good. I'm, I'm going to focus on a lot of the good things first, I think. But, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, you had the returning crew and everything, and I think they all gave really good performances. I think I think some of it was like a bit of a transition to where, you know, Justin, how you asked me, like, do certain funny things hold up and do certain mm -hmm. funny things not hold up? And I, I think I think it's like Star Trek four started the the ha ha's with Star Trek, I think, right? And those were good ha-has that held up. I think Star Trek V continued the ha-has, and some people, you know, some people had their problems with them or whatever. I, I still kind of look at it um, favorably for the most part, you know, like, despite 
people's criticisms of it or whatever. And, you know, some things held up better than others. Obviously, we've we've talked about that. But but I guess looking at it as a through line, it continued the ha ha's. The opening briefing scene, I think, has the tail end of the ha ha's. But then once once the weight of what they're doing is put fully into play, like I I think for the most part, aside from like some one liners and this and that, like that, you know, especially some of the stuff on the prison planet and stuff for the most part, like it kind of puts at least the brakes or or limits the ha ha's and 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 kind of takes it into a more serious tone for for the rest of the film which i think is the right decision for a sign-off film right like and and so they they had that aspect to it uh i think david warner you know speaking of chancellor gorkon yeah so like david warner is a really excellent actor. He's been on Star Trek numerous times. Like he's a great Rachel Ghoul. Like there's there, you know, he's Sark and Tron. Like there's all kinds of cool nerd shit that he's got to his cred, but I I've always thought he was a, a very excellent actor. And so like, that's that, that's something that brings, you know, I mean, it's not like the characters on screen for all that long, but he has the right weight, you know, to, to, to share scenes with, with guys like William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and stuff like that. So, so that worked for me, Christopher Plummer's hamming it up, but I mean, he's having so much fun and, and it's, it's, it's super great. Like he's, you know, he's just kind of having a ball the whole time. And so you, you can't help but have a ball with him. I mean, I think, I think that, you know, I, I think our, you know, my, my general, collective of friends you know when we were all excited and watched that trailer over and over again i think i think the most fun we had the most quotable uh fun we had was was with general chang right you know to cry havoc you know like like just all all that kind of stuff that you know uh he was he was going off on and everything and i i always used to love you know, like it's the whole adage of they, they, they didn't have the verb for to be or not to be, you know, like so. But it's like they're sitting there kind of going, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So you're like, oh, this is, you know, I don't know. Like, like, I, I think I think he had a fun time with it and it, it worked within the context of the film. I do think there there is some aspect that spills out. It might not have the ha ha's, but there is an aspect in this movie especially like there was in five and, and maybe it started in four, but wasn't as blatant or obvious, but that aspect of, you you know how we talked about first contact, it's like more Marina Sirtis than Troy. And I, I think, I think as the films wound down from like four to six, there is a lot more of, I think Nimoy and Shatner in these roles than than maybe say Kirk and Spock like to a degree so there 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 is that aspect where you know I I kind of you know I perked my eyebrow up here and there at, at certain things you know certain interpretations or what have you and and it could be you know something too where I think I know that there were lots of we, we talked about all the political drama as far as like you know getting this made and fights over the script and everything and there was also a lot of drama over the subject matter i think too because i mean in order for this film to work 
you kind of have to accept the given that an organization that purports to be all inclusive is essentially opposed to helping an enemy that is basically going to go extinct right like that's that's kind of the gist of the setup and and you have a series of people and and and, i mean you could point to it and say well you know those were the people on the quote-unquote wrong side of history right but even the fact that they existed i think bothered gene roddenberry right so like he it's weird it was like he was trying to like be rah rah for this film because he was you know star trek's daddy but then at the same time it sounded like any chance he got he was trying to change things and 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 cut some of that stuff out and you know obviously he was not successful in doing that but there 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 is that aspect where i think people feel like the 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 underlining premise of of the film kind of puts a lie to the spin that is the federation right a federation is the the, the bubbly root beer that everybody starts to love after a while. Like, you know, it's not, it's not a good drink or you find that there's like weird, shitty poisonous rocks at the bottom of it. Or, you know what I mean? Like there's, 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 there's stuff like that where you, you start casually throwing around words like, and this bothers me because I, I think it should be specious, but you, you know, people start casually throwing out words like racist. Right. And, and like, you know, you read like the, the comic book adaptation that's written by Peter David and the word racist gets thrown in. And I don't know if it was from previous scripts. I don't know if it's because he, he maybe empathized with, like Nichelle Nichols when she refused to say certain lines like like they they talk about how the guy who played Admiral Cartwright felt uncomfortable in the briefing scene talking about bringing the Klingons to their knees first. Right. And and he, he, he didn't like the connotations that that had. And then they talk about how I think Nichelle Nichols was supposed to say the guess who's coming to dinner line. But it got tossed to Chekhov because she didn't want to say it because it's a reference to fucking Sidney Potier, right? And then that the, the the word that gets tossed around is that was racist. So you're like you're like sitting there going, well, there's all this kind of subtly uncomfortable um, subtext with within the making it, you know, uh, tying it into to a modern context, right? You make it a, uh, an allegory to present day or, you know, I guess in some cases, you know, uh, slightly older than present day, but pretty, pretty current, you know, uh, modern day kind of tone. And, and some of that baggage, um, some of those uh, flaws in uh, humanity get brought into the the Star Trek future, whereas, you know, Roddenberry's whole, you know, pitch, which, you know, sometimes it's like, well, this is impossible. Right. But his whole vibe with it was that the certain certain aspects of humanity that were pro- problematic. Right. Were were somehow magically eradicated. Right. Like we don't you know, you know, th- there's no commerce or there's no. You know, we're, we're all explorers and, you know, and then and then you get into the debate over whether 
Starfleet is military versus, you know, space exploration. You know, there's the aspect of, well, really, it's both. And, you know, so there, there there's a lot of stuff like that where, you know, you, you tend to uh, I, I don't know that I necessarily have a problem with that aspect of this film, but it seemed like there were certainly a contingent of people who did have a problem with that aspect of the film. See, this is why I kind of prefer the Babylon 5 way of thinking that when in Babylon 5, when we go to space, everything that's negative about being human, we just take it with us. Like there's no there's no magic wand that's going to like get rid of racism or intolerance in any form. Like I, and I think that's more realistic. But then when it comes to Star Trek, I think I kind of prefer the the darker aspects like Deep Space mm-hmm. Nine and this like it's I I like the idea of, OK, you've had nothing but negative experiences with this race of aliens. And now it's your turn to not only make peace with them, but to save them from extinction. And on top of that, if you're Kirk, like they murdered your son. So there's going to be problems with that. Like like if I think if. Kirk and crew from the original series when they were much younger faced this crisis, they probably would have met it head on and not have been negative about it. Like they probably would have been more gung ho because they're young and idealistic. Like, okay, we're going to, these, these may be bad guys, but we're going to save them. But here they are in their, let's say fifties and sixties and be generous. Like they're old and grizzled. (laughs) They're, they're, they're three months away from retirement. Like Kirk says, he's like, you should have trusted me. We did our bid for King and Country. Like we were going to like we were going to we were going to log out and be done with all this. But now we have to go save these people that have been nothing but adversarial to us. And, you know, they've attacked us at every turn and they murdered my son. Like, of course, it's going to bring out some of the the worst elements. And even as a kid, I remember Kirk's line, you know, let them die. I was just like. I can't believe Captain Kirk said that. Like, I mean, of course, you know, all the stuff that goes along with like losing his son, but still like that just, you've never seen Captain Kirk say anything like that and mean it before. And like the look on his face, he meant it. That's interesting because they, they talk, you know, Shatner talks about that. Yeah. He didn't didn't want that in there. Yeah. He was butthurt about that. And, and, and he even tried to, adhere to you know like there's a thing in acting you know it's 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 an adage right respect the text you know which basically means you're not smarter than the author like like uh, you know there let me put it this way there's a lot of actors right who think oh well i can improve this and 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 most times i think it's just dumb fucks who can't memorize their lines right and they just paraphrase what what somebody wrote right and the, the notion of respect the text is, you know, it's not your place to change the dialogue or change the lines. Right. You're the actor. Right. Like you're you're you know, I mean, if, it, if it's something that's that's well known, that's a, a long established text. You don't go around changing Shakespeare's fucking lines because it makes more sense to you to say it the other way. Right. Or because you can't be bothered to memorize the lines right and i guess why i bring that up is you know shatner was trying to respect the text but he did throw certain takes nicholas meyer's way where he was trying to have kirk say it 
but then immediately like and, and you kind of see a bit of it in the cut where where you see him like clutching his hand and like but it, it sounded like in, in in some of the takes he gave him it was almost like he immediately immediately regretted saying it and waved his hand at Spock like no 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 I, I I'm I'm just look you get it right like my son died I'm emotional I I, I had an outburst but I understand, you know, like there, there's a certain level of understanding, right? He's comfortable enough in Spock's presence to to go down that road, but he doesn't, you know, he he, he immediately realizes, like, look, I I didn't, I'm just mad. I didn't, I didn't mean that, right? And like, apparently, you know, Meyer said, oh yeah, we'll 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 use one of those takes or whatever, and he didn't. And so that, you know, it just comes out the way it comes out, right? And and you've got, you know, characters like that where, you know, I mean, it's probably the same thing with, um, what's his name, Ben? I can't think of his last name, but the guy who played Cartwright, right? Like where he yeah, felt uncomfortable. Yeah, Brock. Brock Peters. So the, he felt uncomfortable, but you know, the, the, he gave him whatever takes he gave him, and and it played as it played, right? Like they 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 had their their movie they wanted to facilitate their their plot they wanted to facilitate, and I I think the idea is good. Do you know what I mean? Like like that that's why I I was trying to espouse my appreciation for like this is this is the missing link between you know what the fuck is a Klingon doing on the Enterprise in the next generation, right? Like and and, and, and to me that's that's like that's a good idea. That's a good place to start, like, or a good place to, in some cases, end, like a good note to end on, right? Like the beginnings of, of peace between, you know, two, uh, you know, warring factions in the universe, right? Like the, this, this, you know, it's a, it, it's something that is to me, Star Trekian, you know, like the, the you know, a, a noble idea, uh, an aspirational goal, like that kind of thing. But I, I don't know, like some of the some 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 of the execution, especially in the middle, like kind of bums me out or whatever. And I guess I mean, you know, maybe maybe this is something we should talk about, too. But I mean, there was the original thought, right, to to try and get Kirstie Alley back to try and have this be Savic and and not or Valeris. Right. Like that, that that wasn't going to be an all new original character played by Kim Cattrall, which I, I've always thought was a little funny and funky anyway. I mean, there were some things that this character says that I couldn't see Savick saying. And then there are some things she says that I feel like are a hundred percent something that Savick would say. So I'm, I, 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 I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but I'm, I'm kind of curious just to open it up for discussion. I'm going to trail away from that for just a minute. Oh, okay. Did, okay. Did you ever hear the rumor about, Kim Control having like a nude photo shoot on the Enterprise yes, bridge. Yes. Yes. Okay. I yeah. I did some digging into that. Apparently, that's just not at all true. Really? That, yeah. that uh, I I I could have sworn like I would have pulled the whole you know uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy did the last couple lines for Orson Welles like that's absolute <laughs> fact because the internet told me so or whatever you know like that whole thing where it's not true but at the time like there were like there was a good like twenty years where you thought it was true like. I, I remember that rumor, and I, I I think up until you just said that to me, I think I thought it was true. I uh, I don't remember where I read it first, if it was in, like, Starlog or maybe, like, a tabloid or something. 
But I remember like that was always like in the back of my mind. And I remember <laughs> being on the uh, Internet at school in like the late 90s and like, you know, looking to the left and looking to the right. I'm like, I'm going to see if these pictures exist. In the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, because I'm like, is she like got the haircut and the ears? Because like, that'd be great. But uh, <laughs> apparently like that never happened. So is there any truth to the rumor that uh, back around the time of filming of Star Trek six? Uh, there is a, uh, an actress who shall remain nameless that you apparently uh, discovered was performing a, a private photo shoot on the bridge of the Enterprise wearing nothing but her Vulcan ears. Where was that? I was discovered that this actress was uh, performing a late night photo shoot um, wearing nothing but her pointed ears on the bridge of the Enterprise. You found out that and reacted very negatively, of course, and, and, and understandably so. I reacted negatively? <laughs> <laughs> it was like the whole Orson Welles rumor or whatever with Transformers the movie or the the fabled chip chase death you know like it just <laughs> just it was something that we thought of it had a visual in our heads but there was no there's no substantiated proof and and it turns out it was all bs but back to the character of Valeris um I think I mentioned this dinner when we talked about Star Trek 4 but I I, I always felt bad for Robin Curtis because they didn't even consider bringing her back i mean it, it, i'm glad I, I said this before but i'm glad it wasn't savic portraying them because i would not have liked that at all like I, I and i just can't see that character being part of that conspiracy and it i don't know it's one of those things where you're like okay vulcans are logical but when you see a vulcan like like when you see a vulcan working with the maquis and everything you're just like Okay, like I wonder what like leaps of logic they took to arrive at this decision to work at the Maquis. Like I kind of wonder like Valeris's thought process where she was like, okay, this makes sense to me, and then she's she's trying to get the point across to Spock, but he kind of like doesn't even want to address her concerns. He's more about like, yeah, okay, like you know, you know, wisdom is the beginning of logic, and you're going to replace me, and blah blah blah, and he just kind of like. She doesn't even really get to broach the subject of, don't you think this is a bad idea? Like, these are, you know, animals, you know, they're bad guys. I think she does a fine job as Valeris, like, not great or, you know, not awful or anything. She, 
I, I don't know. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's her or the material. I, I don't, like you say, I, yeah, sometimes. I don't. I don't think. I mean, this is just me. Like, I don't. I don't blame Kim Cattrall at all. Yeah. Like for any kind of, uh, I don't know, hot takes or or uh, you know. Uh, this is definitely outside of her wheelhouse, I think, because it's it's you know, she's more like the, you know, the woman in an action movie who has like a a dude scene or something, and she's not really, you know, she's more of like a. A love interest or something in a movie. She's not like you know an actress who typically plays uh, an alien in a science fiction film, right? Yeah, but I I, I think also she's with what she's given, she's very good at it. I mean, she's this kind of arrogant, uppity, like you know, uh, kind of presumptuous character. Like the 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 way, and and she's kind of perky about it too. You know what I mean? Like where it's like it's you know it, it. there there's a there there's a defiance but there's also this kind of uh, pride in being defiant even though as a vulcan she declines knowing what pride is like like that that whole thing but i i do feel like you know i mean i and people always like try to you know uh, i don't know throw shade on this argument going oh well all you know is spock and spock's half human so you must not know what a pure vulcan is like and blah 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 you know and you could say well you know if it was Kirstie alley for sure right then then she was half romulan and and half vulcan right so there's there's that aspect to it where you're like oh well that that would put a unique spin on the betrayal, right? Like that, that kind of aspect. But then the, the the thing that's always bugged me and, and I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to quantify this quite well, but it's like most Vulcans I've seen, whether it's Tuvok or Gary Graham or whatever, like I, I always feel like being logical and being able to set aside your emotional feelings to focus on facts and pursue a logical outcome doesn't automatically make you an asshole. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, yeah. I feel like I feel like that's always the default. Um, and, and, and maybe maybe it's not the fault of, like I said, I, I don't blame Kim Cattrall for this. And, and it probably is not, you know, the fault of, of Gary Graham or. Uh, uh, Tuvok or whatever, right? It's not. It's not their fault, right? Like they're they're just working with. They're respecting the text. They're working with the material that they're given. But I I always feel like a lot of the material they're given. Gary Graham is an asshole in Star Trek. You know what I mean? Like like they're assholes. Like they're they're, they're just straight up assholes. And that's that's the problem because you have somebody who is emotional, putting their spin. On, on, you know, it's like it's the difference between like Spock's line is like, and and it, 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 this is a good maybe compromise. He's like, you know, uh, he's like logic isn't the end of wisdom; it's only the beginnings, right? And that's a good compromise to spin on it because he's not he's not wiping his hands clean of logic. He's not being an asshole. He's not. Just saying, oh, well, uh, the only logical thing to do is just to let the fucking Klingons, like, uh, die. Okay, that's very logical. No, it's a fucking mean asshole fucking thing to say, right? Like, so so he's he's not, he, he, you know, I, I, I think, like, those those aspects, like, there, there's certain things where I feel like certain aspects of Spock 
are not carried over into uh, additional Vulcans. And I don't give a shit about the argument that he's half human. Like, I just don't give a fuck. Like, like it doesn't just because just because you abandon or or you're 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 putting aside you're compartmentalizing emotion to focus on a logical solution does not mean you have to be heartless or fucking an asshole like it just that, that's just not fucking true and i always feel like some of the dialogue like the 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 it's such a weird uncomfortable feeling like People, th- those people say those lines, you know, the Gary Graham lines, the Tuvok lines, the the Valeris lines, like the I could only succeed you like you, you have to respond to that. Like you can't just fucking nod your head like it's no fucking big deal. And it's not I'm not saying that like somebody has to have an emotional response to it, but you can't just. I don't know. You, you can't just like sit there and be like, oh, yeah, that that that's not that's not strange. That's not unusual. Like, that's just that's just normal Vulcan speak. Like, basically, you can't let someone being an asshole slide just because they're fucking Vulcan. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like you got to call call assholes out whether they're fucking Vulcans or not. You know, like and I feel like some of those things that the character does are and that's kind of what i mean by she's perky and defiant in her in her treason right like where you're like you're like i do not remember and i'm like fucking all right well then i'm gonna fucking mind rape you till you do you know like like you gotta you gotta like call that person out and and kind of I don't know. Like it just it just seems highly unusual like some of the the fuckery which is why i understand and and initially and i i think i still sort of feel this way but why i was always like oh thank god that wasn't savic right like that 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 i i can understand that um that emotional feeling right where you you'd want to you know say like oh i'm i'm so glad this they didn't ruin the character of savic like that this is some other some other broad who betrayed the fucking crew of the enterprise or whatever and participated in this conspiracy right but I think watching it today, like, the, the, I mean, aside from what I was talking about, the whole aspect of the Vulcan Romulan heritage, like creating some some nuances in in that betrayal. Right. Or that that uh, decision. Right. Like the, the other thing, too, though, is. I I feel like when I watched it today, my take on her line where she says to Kirk. Like when basically when she, once she's outed, she she quotes him back like and see that that's why Shatner's performance. It might have been a better idea to let him do what he wanted and keep that rather than Nicholas Meyer just keeping it in, like, let them die, you know, like and not even having him, you know, or not not lingering on him enough to have him have that that beat that pause, that moment of regret and then and then kind of transition it almost be like you know if 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 you know you're you're in the middle of a fight with somebody and 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 you know they're dying of cancer and then you know and somebody says something like fucking horrible or something right like where they're like oh hurry up and fucking die and then they're like oh my god i'm stressed out you're stressed out like they they gasp and they 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 uh put their hand up to their mouth and they're like i'm sorry i didn't you know that's i'm just 
you know, whatever. Right. Like 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 they 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 had this breaking moment, but they're quickly like, I immediately regret what I said, like that kind of thing. And if they had let Shatner have that, I think her exchange with him would would make more sense, whether it was Valerius or Savic. But I, I always feel like this is more of a Savic thing when she says, let them die, you said. Did did I interpret did I not interpret you correctly? Like like, you know, you basically it's almost like, you know, they killed your son. Like, let them die. You said, did I not interpret you correctly? Like those lines, like if you if you attribute the whole subtext of of her and David having a thing. And this is this is Kirk's potential daughter in law who's basically joined this coup or conspiracy to eradicate the animals that murdered the love of her life and the son of her captain uh, to me i there's something about that that's a lot more strong even even if you hate the idea of it being like even if it ruins the character at least that moment i i feel like is is a lot more strong whereas like i guess with valerius you just kind of feel like Oh, she's just some kind of arrogant, like, know-it-all who's, like, mouthing off. But there's no... The, 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 the most emotional weight is is the kind of arbitrary sort of pre... Uh, what, what's the right word? This kind of fabricated relationship between her and Spock. You know, like, like it's, it's, it's like they they have the the scene where he kind of like Vulcan mind rapes her or whatever you want to call it right and and like that see what's interesting about that is Meyer let Spock have his moment cuz you, you know what's funny is i mean you know especially in like fucking may in fucking modern context everybody would lose their goddamn minds over that scene right but i mean that's what Spock does right he goes in and he fucking mind rapes her to get the information and when he does that like you can hear it in his voice, like when he finishes Nimoy, like that he understands th- they she betrayed them, but he's violated her. Like, and you could hear it in his voice, like the regret that any of that had to fucking happen. And I think some of that is it has an emotional weight to it, and they sell it. Like Kim Cattrall's really good in that scene, and so is he. But the 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 fabrication comes when it's like oh well we just meant Poochie this episode and Poochie's like gonna be my successor and oh Poochie betrayed us and oh I got a mind rape Poochie oh I feel bad that I mind raped Poochie Poochie's going back to their home planet and then you know what I mean like like there there is that aspect to it where like I think if they had stuck with their original vision people might have been upset but it would have had more of an impact i guess but i i know that's probably a an unpopular take like and i i agree or at least i i feel like my initial reaction was oh thank god it's not savic but i guess now kind of viewing what they were trying to go for i'm just kind of like well if if this was going to be as as uh ugly as you say you know as as kind of Deep Space Nine, you know, a little more gray than most Star Trek is going to be. If you're going to go gray, you might as well go the full nine and not kind of half-ass it. You know what I mean? 
You know what I would like? I would like them to take the original script with Savick and turn that into a comic miniseries like they did Alien hmm. 3. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Do you, do you um, you, you know, speaking of that, like, you know the the opening for this that they couldn't shoot because they didn't have enough oh, money to? Yeah. Like, doesn't that sound like this? I don't know. To me, I'm like, doesn't that sound like the stupidest fucking shit you've ever heard? Like, um, I'm, I'm kind of glad <laughs> that they didn't have that scene. But. The only thing I liked from that was, like, Scotty's part where he's, like, taking apart the oh, vertebrae. Okay. He's the engineer and he's... But, like, yeah. the stuff about Uhura is, like, a talk show host and Sulu is, like, basically a an intergalactic cabbie and... Yeah, what, what the fuck? Like, how, he, what? How, how is he gonna go from being a fucking cabbie to the fucking captain of the... Ex- yeah. What? What? Like, <laughs> I don't... I mean, I mean, I get... Dude, if, if Sulu... If in the original script, Sulu was a cabbie coming out of retirement and he's like... Fuck this, y'all. I want to be captain. You know, then then I kind of understand where he's coming from. And Shatner's like, but Sulu, like, you're hardly going to be in the goddamn movie. You know, it's like I could still understand where he's like, I ain't being no space fucking cabbie. You know, like 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 I, I, I totally get that because I was like looking at that going, wait. And, and, and what? Like, so Uhura was like a, a radio talk yeah. like she had basically Uhura retired and had a podcast right? like, and I was just like wait what and like you know what like weirds me out about that is I, I feel like it's better if like because the way they make it seem like in this film is they've been active and they've got you know basically they're uh, 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 short is what you would uh, like in this shit I, I know some Vietnam speak like in this shit they were short which means basically they had three months to go in their tour right like they were almost out right that's what short means right you were you, you had a couple weeks right and then you were going back to quote unquote the world which means you're going back to the states right and and you're almost done like that's that's the way they sort of present it here except for it's more of a a retirement thing right than an active war thing but yeah. still the the idea is they, they were short you know they only had a a few more months before they were all about to retire which makes more sense than them already being the, the way they kind of describe it is they were quote unquote unhappily retired and i'm just kind of like then then why would they have retired like like why wouldn't they just keep doing what they were doing and yeah all that stuff sounded like i mean i know it was done for budgetary reasons but personally like i I think all that sounded awful like it was a big waste of fucking time and it seemed like they had like two different ideas for bringing back kara marcus because in that original version you're talking about they were with her or something like that yeah they were gonna open with them like they go back together and he was gonna have to like leave her in the middle of the night and then the um uh the other idea which i think is in the novelization is there's an attack on a colony and you never see who's attacking you just see like the torpedoes firing and carol marcus dies and that's supposed to feed into some that's supposed to feed some of kirk's anger and it's supposed to like give you like the you know the cloaked bird of prey firing and stuff is it okay for me to go into my long Halloween rant? Like, go or? for it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so you can. I mean, you know, you you may even be able to school me on this, Justin. But um, this is my biggest problem with this film: is Klingons have Pepto Bismol fucking blood <laughs> since fucking when? Like, this is this is all arbitrary bullshit 
to tell your stupid Jeff Loeb fucked up mystery. Like Klingons never had Pepto-Bismol blood before this. They've never had Pepto-Bismol blood after this. They've only, I mean, as far as I know, they've only had Pepto stupid fucking Bismol blood for this film. And it's so the blood can get on the fucking gravity boots so they can have this fucking bullshit murder mystery. And you know what the most insulting thing of that is? Is they constantly remind you throughout the course of this fucking movie that Klingon disruptors and Starfleet issue phasers can fucking vaporize people. Like, why? Why is there any evidence? Like, why... Is what? Why did the spacesuit guys didn't go over there like every other fucking movie when fucking Terrell shoots himself? Does he have Pepto fucking Bismol? No, he fucking vaporizes. He's gone. There's no there's no evidence. There's there's nothing. If you vaporize somebody in Star Trek, they're gone. Now, in Deep Space Nine, they'll say they have phaser burns. That's what the whole like setting on stun and they. She 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 set it on stun and shot those guys in the head and and they had the little phaser burns or whatever. But even that, I'm just kind of like, okay, I get it. They they tried to set up the scene where if she had tried to vaporize those guys on the ship, the alarm on the Enterprise would have gone off. Okay, like so then why doesn't she like you know poison them and fucking throw them out the fucking airlock? I mean. You know, something that's not going to set off the alarm, right? Like, what, she phaser burns them and she stuns them in the head, killing them, and then fucking dumps them in the elevator? Why didn't she just take the bodies and the suits and the boots and beam it into space? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't I don't I don't get it. Like none of this shit, none of that stuff makes any fucking sense. Like if you were if you're going to do it, they would have gone over there. They would have fucking shot him with a fucking phaser. Gorkon would have been fucking atomized. There wouldn't have been any fucking trace of it. And that would have been the fucking end of it. You know, like this, this fucking Pepto, fuck this shit. The Pepto-Bismol fucking blood is the stupidest fucking thing ever. Um, it looked a little nicer on the Blu-ray, but I, I still think that's like some of the worst fucking CG, like, ever right and i know they had less of a budget in this so it wasn't as good yeah and then and i mean see it's like i get like i like the the cold war concept i like the drama and the conflict and 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 the fact that you know that there's this tension between most everybody whether it's tension between the enterprise and the klingons whether it's tension between Kirk and Spock because he's basically getting you know recruited into this and he didn't come talk to him first and all that other stuff whether there's tension you know it's like Kirk is still upset over the death of his son and all that other stuff which by the way um this this is a lesser point but I kind of feel the same way about Star Trek 5 as I do about iBorg and I think I've talked about that before you know basically that if Kirk was going to hang out with a shirtless Klingon guy or or arm sleeveless Klingon guy and, and all those guys, you know, in, in Star Trek five, like, you know, if, if, if Spock was going to go aboard the, the bird of prey and, and make what's his nuts apologize. And if they had a, uh, you know, the dinner or whatever it was, the little party on the enterprise with, with that dude, I apologize like that fuck face. Like 
it kind of to me, I'm kind of like, well, there's a precedent now. You've you've had quote unquote friendly relations with some Klingons, right? And that somehow did not carry over. Like to me, it feels like you know somebody looked at Star Trek Four and then they made Star Trek Six, but since Star Trek Five was viewed as critically panned, it didn't make any money. They just didn't even acknowledge that there were there were some there was some progress made in relations, right? Like where you know, and I, I feel the same way about you know, like I said, it's it, to me it's like uh, Star Trek Five is to Iborg as as uh, the undiscovered country is to First Contact, right? Like, but yeah. Fuck, uh, fuck, uh, Pepto Bismol blood. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. That's bullshit. It's, it's hackneyed, like all that murder mystery stuff. And, and then why is Valeria, like, Valeris is running, she's running the investigation. Like, <laughs> and she's part of the fucking conspiracy. Like, that should, like, she should be able to fucking squash that shit so fucking fast your head would spin. But yet, they all still get found out. I mean, it just it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like there, not, not one bit of sense. Perhaps you've heard of Russian epic Cinderella. Shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, but yeah, that's my that's my little that's my rant, and I'm done. I got it out of my system. My voice is cracking. I, yeah. I, I must admit that I also like watching it this time. I also thought like. Man, I feel bad kind of like for Spock and all those guys like stuck on that chip because like there's like the much less interesting like like subplot like, you know, running in this movie. Like I felt, yeah, that that whole murder mystery was kind of half baked and like, I, I don't know, like, you know, Spock's like doing all his like Sherlock Holmes shit. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe it's the like character we never heard of before this movie. He was the traitor. Like, you know, like it, it, I, I feel like if I didn't already know that, which I did. Like it would be extremely obvious to me. Like, and 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 that that's another argument for you know potentially, even though that would uh, upset people. Like, why making it Savic? It might have been more of a <gasps> what? Like, yeah, that that would have uh huh. Like, and I like what you said. Like, like you said, like oh, and also yeah, like she was with David when David mm-hmm. was killed. So yeah. I mean that that ties completely in with all that. I stuff. mean, I mean, you know, and and you could use the argument, you know, Romulans obviously do not have the same emotional where, where, like where with all, You know, yeah. they 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 rejected that philosophy, right? They went off to be to be emotional and start their own empire and whatever they, they, they rejected some of those teachings. Right. So if you have someone who's half Vulcan and half Romulan, like you can, you could clearly kind of pin that on her Romulan half, you know, made her fiery and angry and kind of like, I, I don't know, like, they, you know, like I said, this, this is something where like there, there are certain aspects of this that I do enjoy. Right. Like I, I enjoy, Christopher Plummer a lot. I enjoy, you know, uh, you know, so, some of that stuff. But, you know, is, is, some of it is not not exactly my, you know, to me, like, I I, that, I, I think this is a, this is another reason why I don't necessarily subscribe to the the odd even thing, because I think, you know, there, there's certain things where I'm like, yeah, like, I get what they're saying. Like, I like Star Trek, too. There's there's a lot of good things about Star Trek Four. there's some good things about Star Trek six. But I think to be perfectly honest, I'd rather watch like, you know, three and, and these days with the, the current reevaluation, I'd probably rather watch the fucking motion picture than this. Yay. One. You know, like that's that, you know, the, but that's my, 
you know, my my take on it. Let's not go crazy. (laughs) Michael, for that, I shall blow you out of the stars. Are you gonna like? Are you gonna like spin around in your chair, like all excited and shit? Yeah, well, yeah. Christopher Plummer was really good. Like, well, he was like he was fun. Like, you know, he was really, you know, he was hamming it up. He was clearly having a blast, like you said, like in that role. I do feel like you know, like you said, you know, it's the director of Wrath of Khan. Like, it's almost, it's almost like Chang is like a sort of weaker Khan, though. Like, like I see a lot of elements of Khan with him, and yeah, like, yeah. especially you know, like he quotes Shakespeare all the time, and Khan has like you know a lot of poetic like you know phrasing and stuff yeah. like that. Like so, but. You know, I, I, they're different enough. It's just like I feel like it, it's kind of like Frieza and Cell almost like, you know, like Cell's not as like Cell's a good villain, but he's not he doesn't have as much of a personality or a personal stake to like Goku as Frieza does. So like it's kind of like now, that. Now I got this vision in my head of like Merrick Buttrick, like with the Super Saiyan hair, and he's going to take out General Chang like, <laughs> and everything. You know, I will say one one thing. One thing I really and I knew about it before, but one thing I just like it, it tickled me uh, this time watching it, and it's my Avatar. It's like I love like Colonel Worf, like like, and not just because like you know he just shows up like as a brief scene, but just the, the thought. That Worf's lawyer, uh, Worf's grandfather was a lawyer, and like I, I don't know, like I just think of like some like Harvey Birdman like theme song, Colonel Klingon lawyer. Like I kind of feel like they need to to put those uh, all, all of his uh, sustained objections into like all of Worf's fuck ups in the next generation. Yeah, like, it's like, oh, like Colonel Worf, Worf gets rejected. Gets owned and, and it's it runs in the family because he gets fucking owned throughout that entire trial. <laughs> it's like when he gets a objection, like you know, sustained. Uh, like it's like someone throws like a friggin' like jug at him or something. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh! It's like no, no. It's like objection sustained, and then they put that clip of like Worf falling off the fucking thing when he <laughs> broke his back. Like every time the objection sustained or some <laughs> shit. Like that's why, yeah. I, I I I think I think that was a cool idea. Um, but yeah, I I I, I do kind of chuckle at it myself. I pictured Chang being beaming aboard the Enterprise, and he's like, "Hello, monkeys." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like like I said, like Dave Dave, like you said, uh, David Warner was really good. Like for, I mean, he, he's been in Star Trek before. Like he he was in Star Trek Five, wasn't he too? Mm-hmm. He was yeah. the Earth ambassador. Yeah, and like uh, you know, that's the cool thing about Star Trek. I mean, you know, friggin' Jeffrey Combs plays like what, like eight different characters or whatever. But like, you can just yeah. show up if you, you know, just cake this like makeup on your face, and you'll be a whole new person. Like you know, basically be a whole new person, Larry. David Warner is also the Cardassian who tortured Picard. If you've seen that episode, Mike. Oh yeah, the uh, there are four lights. Yeah, Cardassian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's awesome, yeah. But yeah, no, he he for so he and he didn't even really like have a huge like role in the film. Like he didn't. I this was like I said, I missed the first thirty minutes of this film usually. So I don't. I think this is my first time actually seeing him. 
So like, like, yeah, I think he, you know, they got an actor of that caliber to make an impact in a short amount of time. So, you, you know, what's crazy about that is did you, uh, I, I, this, I'm sure Mike hasn't seen this, but may, maybe I'll, I'll recommend it like as a as a recommendation uh, for, you know, because it relates to to this film or whatever. Justin, have you ever played and or seen any cut scenes from Star Trek Klingon Academy? I've seen the cutscenes, yes. Okay, okay. So, Mike, there's this there's this video game that came out like back in what was it like 2000 or something or whatever. I'm not sure what year it came out. I, I feel like it came out like way after, like this film. Like if this film came out in 1991, I feel like it came out like many many years down the road. But it was like, th- think of it this way, Mike. It's like in that era of like fucking Wing Commander computer game shenanigans, where it's like oh, all this okay, kind of. Yeah. It, most of it, it looks very dark forces and kind of, you know, like like that, 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 uh, you know, late 90s, early, early aughts computer stuff. But then it's interspersed with with, you know, like like when Malcolm McDowell would do all those Wing Commander games and Mark Hamill and shit like that. And literally it's it's Christopher Plummer and David Warner and like. A bunch of people from like you could hear voices from like I, I want to say like Beast Wars like I think like Gary Chalk does some voices in there and like um, the the guy who uh, I can't think of uh, what his name is but you know the guy who does uh, like you know Rastafarian Joker and like does like every voice in the world like where he was like Roadblock oh, uh, Keith Michael Richardson I, I, I want to say like Keith Michael Richardson is like the main Klingon in it that you're playing as in the video game. I could be wrong, but that's what it sounds like. Um, and so, like, there, there, there's just uh, to, to me. I was looking at it and I go, "Damn, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent in this." And I, I didn't know too much about it, but but because we were doing this, I I stumbled into it, and I was just like, "There's a great little origin sequence where they they show how oh yeah how Chang like gets his eye cut by this young." punk who's like you know trying to start shit and take over and everything and he beams over to his ship and they have a klingon fucking dagger fight and everything and it shows you how he got his eye patch and how he you know basically kirks this guy and there's there's funny ass dialogue like where like you're you're talking to him as the um you know the main character and everything and they're they're like you know talking about how you know klingon superiority and klingons are the the man and all this awesome stuff and then they go, well, well, how do you account for Captain Kirk? And like, there's this funny line of dialogue where he's like, well, Captain Kirk is actually a Klingon. That's the only explanation, you know? And he goes into this whole like phony ass story about it's like Klingons, you know, they they once went to Earth and they they bred. And, you know, clearly Kirk has some Klingon in him. Otherwise, he couldn't kick our asses. You know, like <laughs> that's the only thing that makes sense or whatever. So it's like there, there's some funny shit like that. But you're sitting there going, God damn, they got like. You know, like, I, I mean, I know these days, like, video games are this, you know, billion dollar industry or whatever. And you got, like, you know, Keanu Reeves being in video games and all that kind of shit or whatever. Or, like, Daryl from The Walking Dead. And it's kind of commonplace. And, and maybe it was kind of commonplace back then, depending on who the actors were. But I was just, like, sitting there going, God damn, they got... They got Christopher Plummer and David Warner in a fucking video game. Like I was like, that's so fucking cool. Like they're, and, and I mean, it's almost like this like hidden, you know, episode of fucking Star Trek or something. So I I, I thought that was kind of fun. You made me think of uh, 
Did you ever see like Tim Curry's live action segments in the Red Alert games? No. Like they're freaking hilarious. Like you can tell like these guys like you know they they, they obviously they, they a job's a job, but they just love like hamming shit up like in these games and stuff. But it, it's like Tim Curry's like this like mad like general or something. Like he's got all these medals on him and shit. And he's like, you know, he's always he's like some like I think he's like a Soviet general. And he's like at the end of the game, he gets in a rocket and goes into space. And he's like, you know, like his last like message to you is like, I'm going to the one place that isn't corrupted by capitalism. Spice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that just reminded me of that. But I guess there's a certain amount of freedom when, you know, like these like little shit companies are like, okay, like Mr. Awesome Actor, like, please, like, you know, read the script, but like, have fun, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. But I I, I just it was something I sort of discovered today, actually, believe it or not. So I just kind of wanted to mention that as like a little extra bonus or whatever. It's like if you've never if you've never seen any of those cutscenes, like with uh with Christopher Plummer and 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 David Warner for Klingon Academy, like you should totally check that out because that's super fun. You guys have any any final thoughts on Star Trek Six, the Undiscovered Country, that you wanna put in the minds of listeners before we we head on out of here and uh, move on to uh, a second star to the right and straight on till morning? If I were human, I would believe my response would be go to hell. <laughs> if I were human. Um, is there is this the movie like I know like you know Avengers Endgame did it but like you know is this the movie that started the whole like signatures like for the cast like at the end like or was that the like I know is that where Endgame like took it from or that's my idea you're stealing my idea you know like when they sign off at the end and it's all their signatures I assume I, so. I mean, I remember when I saw that in the theater, and I was like, "Hey, you stole this from Star Trek." Yeah, like I, I feel like I knew that before, but this, this just reminded me of that. I, you know, I'm not sure, like, because for all I know, there's some other film that did it, but I can't think of one. Like, like this, this, that. I mean, I, I feel like you guys are right. Like that, that was the, uh, that that's the only film I can think of that did something like that. All right, well, I guess this will wrap things up for tonight's episode. If you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of the proper episodes, which this is one of the backlog of episodes and all our other shows can be found over on fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all the episodes there. If you want to stream us, we are on plenty of streaming services. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And we are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive there. So until the next time, uh, this is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, it's Mike. And aside from Colonel Worf, my other favorite character in this movie was the one Klingon who laughed at McCoy's dad joke. (laughs) (laughs) You have a singular wit, Doctor. This is Justin signing off. Try not to pick up any bugs. Oh, 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 oh. 
for one quarter of a century. They have thrilled us with their adventures, amazed us with their discoveries, and inspired us with their courage. Their ship has journeyed beyond imagination. Her name has become legend. Her crew, the finest ever assembled. We have traveled beside them from one corner of the galaxy to the other. They have been our guides, our protectors, and our friends. Now you are invited to join them for one last adventure. For at the end of history lies the undiscovered country. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Yeah, I think uh, Michelle Nichols didn't want to do that scene either. And I was like, well, shit, sweetheart, there's not going to be any scenes for you if you keep <laughs> telling people you don't want to do any scenes. I also read, I think I also read at some point she was kind of mad that she had that scene where she was like trying to look up the Klingon translation or whatever. And she was like, shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't she already know? Right. Like, that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was oh, referring yeah, to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Derek, you know, I have some problems with some of Romeo's dialogue when he's talking to Juliet. Can we just have him say yum yum instead? <laughs> <laughs> We're on she... style, Romeo. Yeah. Yum yum. <laughs> she's like, she she's is like, you know. she is the yum yum, and <laughs> I am the yum. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no. She's like, oh no, like my father is coming. You must fly. Like flee. And like Romeo's like at the window and he's like, bye. <laughs> Do you bite wow. my thumb? Do you bite your thumb at me, sir? Fuck yeah! <laughs> Fuck yeah! I bite my thumb at you, sir. Derek, about those colorful metaphors. <laughs> when uh, the torpedoes flying towards Chang, do you think it would have been better if it, instead of saying "to be or not to be," he said "trick or treat, motherfucker"? <laughs> <laughs> trick or treat, mother. Fuck. <laughs> He's like, yum, yum. <laughs> yum, yum. From fucking quoting Shakespeare to fucking yum, yum. That's how far we go. <laughs> fucking falling. 